0: Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city.
1: That business with scalability was very interesting to
0: me. I like building something that has legacy. So this week's episode is recorded from a hotel room in Jeddah. I'm attending the second ever Formula One Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia this weekend. So unfortunately, we're not in the studio because our guest was due to come in. Um, it's, uh, it's a busy week, it's a busy quarter. We keep saying at the moment that in our industry, it's like Q4, it's so busy. We say that we're in the services industry, uh, we're in marketing services and content and uh, a lot of an established economy is built up on services whether it's um, F&B, whether it's tourism whether it's hospitality and also um, intellectual type services such as consulting and uh, marketing services as well Um, and that's the the theme of today's show it's uh it's a company that uh, is a brainstorming company so It's all about services and coming up with ideas, Uh, so it's an interesting topic. We'll see how they go about their business um, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we're speaking with the CEO of Infominio, Martin Truncuit. He was just giving me a a lesson in French pronunciation. I hope I didn't butcher it. Uh, They are a brainstorm services company supporting their clients through four main areas, business research, expert networking, uh, graphic design, and business translation. So today, we're going to talk about how he's built that company up to 200 people, um, and the, the lessons behind uh, building that business, uh, the industry of services and outsourcing and uh, the knowledge economy, I guess, that we're in, and a few trends and things that, that Martin and his team have come up with, and new business interests as well. Uh, good morning, Martin. Good morning. Uh, where are you now? Are you in Dubai?
1: Yes, I'm in Dubai. In Dubai. Sunny, sunny Dubai.
0: Sunny Dubai. And how are things going? How's the year going? How's business?
1: It's a great year so far, um, you know, to be fair, uh, even better than last year. Last year, our company did more than 30% of growth. On this year, we are just short of 50% of growth and uh, everything, you know, all the indicators are in the, in the green. Uh, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll cross fingers that it lasts uh, as, as much as possible.
0: That's a fast growing business. 50% growth this year is a fast growing business. Can you tell us uh, when you set up the business and what, what exactly is Infomino?
1: Sure, let me let me go back a little uh in, in time. So um so obviously you will have uh uh, said and i heard that i'm french um i studied in 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 in, uh, in in france i then started as a consultant at at the boston Consulting Group where i spent uh seven years of my life and um and i i at, as a consultant i felt that there were a number of services that you needed to be a good consultant uh to save time essentially to be better at what you were doing and some of them were related to data research for example as a consultant you want to make demonstrations uh, but if you have hard facts uh to to make a demonstration it's stronger uh, and you have those research services um, internally but they never had the time to help you the team was too small and then you started seeing some some suppliers out of india uh, that would do this type of work and i like i like the idea of outsourcing because it needed it didn't have to be you know, people in your team that were doing the research, but I had a lot of issues with uh, with working with India, with the time difference, etc. I had to be very, very limited in terms of complexity. Uh, so the they delivered another service that I was using was uh, graphic design to do my slides. I'm. Really poor at at design, have no sense of aesthetics whatsoever, and, and and still I spent you know nights and nights moving boxes on PowerPoint and choosing colors and so on, whereas I could have outsourced that. And the idea of uh of InfoManure stems from that, that we could provide a higher level of service on these specific requirements from near store locations, you would be in the same time zone as a client, uh, you would have people that have critical thinking, uh, and, and so on, and essentially just an incremental business versus what, uh, what existed before. So that's where the, the idea came from.
0: Interesting. So did you go straight into that from Boston Consultancy Group? You left your job and you set up this, this business? Correct, yes. And what year was that and how, how's it gone?
1: So it started in 2011, so just uh, just over uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, um, and uh, and uh, I started initially in Morocco because I had started the BCG office in, in Morocco. I met my partner Hamza uh, in Morocco as well. He was in McKinsey and having the exact same uh, challenges as, as I did. So we started a business in Morocco, starting to pick up rather quickly and we started growing 10, 20, 30 people. Uh, And then we wanted to open an office in Egypt to be uh, Egypt the hub for uh, servicing the Middle East and Morocco for servicing Europe. And then you need to have a holding company and we need to have a holding company. You need to be uh, in a location that is business friendly for these type of things. And Dubai was a very natural destination uh, to do that because I was spending already a lot of time in Dubai uh, because a lot of decision makers were there. I was doing a lot of my time on business development. So we set up uh, an office here to be the whole thing. Uh, And so we have Dubai, Morocco, uh, Egypt, and now we just opened a new, a new office is in Mexico uh, because we're now covering the Americas as well. Uh, And and now the team has reached like uh, roughly 200 people today.
0: Amazing. Well done. Great success story. Your clients, are they, uh, are they bigger consultancy groups that need this work done in a localized way? um, And if not, and also, who are your other clients?
1: sure so yeah obviously i mean we were coming from that from that area it was very natural for us to have our former employers are as our first clients so i'm not allowed to disclose the names of our clients but yes many of the very top uh, strategy consultancies and other consult consultancies are uh, our clients because they need data all the time and somehow they prescribe our service to their own end clients, right? So they integrate uh, our, our our product. Like I would, uh, you would buy a Dell computer, and you still be a client of Intel. Uh, in in a way, you will be Intel to uh, to the consultancies. Um, and and beyond that, we now have more than 40 of the Fortune 500 companies as uh, as clients, uh, with names like I don't know Michelin and Richmond and Richemont and uh, and, uh, and a lot of big groups. And we also have a few regional clients. So we work for a few public entities in the UAE, in Saudi. Um, and and so on. So it's a quite diversified uh, portfolio of clients. And by the way, what is interesting, it's the very global one. Um, So we happen to operate from the region, but our revenue, I mean, most of our invoices go to the US, where the the headquarters of many of our clients are. Uh, The people that work with us on a daily basis would we'll be based in probably 30, 40 different uh, countries, not uh, specifically in the region. So it's it's very interesting how it's it's super open from a geographical perspective.
0: Amazing. And the topics that I mentioned at the start, uh, is that the what's the breakdown of the services you provide? Do you break it down in terms of the demand, in terms of business research, research business translation or transformation and graphic design? Is there, is there uh, something? How do these clients approach you? Are they saying, "Hey, um, this is a new type of service that we never knew we could outsource before," or is it, um, "Let's just do consultancy in a different way"?
1: So I'll give you two two angles. One, how how are those services consistent? Uh, the idea is you have data research, you will need to find information, then you need to analyze that information, and then you need to communicate it. And to communicate it, you could do it with visual clues, or you could do it with language. Today we have three of the four boxes. We have research, and it's roughly 80% of our business, it's where we started, and that's where our reputation comes from. Then. Uh, the second one would be data analytics. All these companies have a lot of data. They need to make sense of the data, clean their databases, derive insights, and so on. This is something we're gonna launch later this year. And then on the communication aspect, you have the visual aspect, which is graphic design. So we have now 15 people doing that and it's growing like crazy, Like like wildfire um, because you need to visualize you can have the best insights if you cannot communicate these insights and people don't understand them you know all the work that you've done before is useless and the second is the element regarding language today we do it from an angle of translation because if you don't speak to people that, in the language that they understand then again it's useless uh, but we are going to be adding value in terms of how you formulate things how do you make synthesis how do you write a long paper of 20 pages You summarize it in five or in three uh for communication and so on and so forth and with that we'll have a full range of services around all that data and insights uh, value chain
0: okay amazing interesting and are you typically the business model are you set up like a services uh knowledge economy services industry do you have ftes do you make margins on top of that do you pitch for business do you staff teams and Accounts and resource appropriately, or is it more of a project basis?
1: So it's a very interesting question. I just realised I didn't answer the second part of your uh, of your uh, previous questions, which was. Um, uh, then i'm just forgetting it but anyway let me go to 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 that one no the model is really interesting it's it's on the one hand it's very high value add services on the other end it's still an outsourcing business what we do is more than 80 percent of our businesses um, is we call retainer so basically we create dedicated teams for our clients so the clients will always work with the same people um, they will have capacity with us and they use it exactly as they want and and that level of integration is the only way you can go to that level of value as if you were working on a project by project basis in a very transactional way every time you start a project you have to understand the new client the context their specific expectations and so on you waste a lot of time getting adjusted when you're working day in day out as just an extension to a client team then the level of value that you provide is, is extremely high and from a business model perspective, what is great with a retainer is that you have recurring cash flow. It's not like every year you start and you, you have to re- do it again. Um, here, we have this relationship. The clients pay their bill every month. We are very reasonable from a cost perspective because we know people are going to be utilized eff- extremely effectively. Um, so, uh, And it's the basis and the foundation for our growth. So when we started 20. 20- 21 that was already secured so our business development team is fighting for growth not for starting from zero which is which is an interesting an interesting model
0: exactly okay fascinating I think the second question before was still around the types of services that you offer and and the makeup of your business you said 80 percent is research and then data and there might have been something more to that
1: no, uh, no no it's 80 percent research then we have uh, translation roughly 10 and and graphic design roughly 10 but we are going to balance that with research going down to probably 50 uh translation and language services around 20 and graphic design around 30 until we launch uh data data analytics but the that's the services as we see them today um it will it will broaden the idea really for our clients is make or buy what do i want to do what's uh I want to outsource? When you think about other businesses, you're, you're Apple, you're great at product design, you're great at marketing and sales, you have no idea how to manufacture, you chose to completely outsource your manufacturing. For many businesses, the questions uh, are the same in, in services. Even a consultancy where the, the research is, is at the core of the business would choose that, you know, they prefer to focus their energy on the consulting staff, that are spending time with the client, making recommendations and so on. The researcher will do some internally, they'll also uh, leverage the best resources out there. And what is interesting as well, in that model of uh, near shoring that we, we use with our offices in Morocco, Egypt, and in Mexico, is we help our clients tap in talent pools that are otherwise untapped. And think about the Middle East, for example, Access to talent is is really hard. So you have local talent, but you need to put a lot of training. There's a lot of competition. They tend to be quite expensive. Or you bring in foreign talent and you have them travel to, to the Middle East, therefore get the local level of pricing. What we help them do is to say, okay, you have a certain number of services you want to operate. We'll operate them from for you from a location that is next door, where people speak the same languages, at a cost level which is competitive versus hiring uh, yourself, and you don't have the headache to manage this. So you have it's a, it's a very interesting balance where you have the best of both worlds.
0: Okay, interesting. I really like how you know you focus on countries and areas that haven't been necessarily focused on by, say, the global consultancy groups. But one of the reasons why they don't focus on it is because their clients are coming from another economy with higher GDPs, with more ability to pay for services, right? I think that's one of the... You know, when when an economy grows, there's more uh, need for services in many different areas. And they in the past they would have used, as you described, an outsourced model in India, etc., and built big units and big uh, buildings and, and infrastructure around that. And the, the system was kind of built around that. But you you've kind of spent more time where they can't in Morocco and Egypt. However, the economies in Morocco and Egypt aren't that big yet. So. Uh, your your clients are coming from Europe, the US, uh, faster growing economies in the Middle East, um, as opposed to coming from Morocco and Egypt. Is that correct?
1: That's very true, that's very true. So you have that arbitration of clients that need resources that are willing to pay premium prices for your services and you're delivering for platforms where you can access more than cheap, large amounts of talent. When you're in Cairo, it's 20 million people. There's a lot of very talented, well-trained people here. So when you wanna hire, you can find people. Um, This year for my new, we're gonna hire north of hundred people. That's starting to be quite large, you know, and next year, probably more than 150. If we were in countries where massive competition on talent, that would be a massive challenge. But now with Cairo and Casablanca and Mexico, we have access to talent pools where, and, and and by the way, one thing that I love literally about this business, one is it is the job creation. You know, if I had stayed in consulting, it would be uh, still super interesting, but I would not have made a difference. Here I can say to myself, and together with the team we've built, we've created 200 jobs. And right. what is interesting is these people, to get the same type of opportunities they have today at new we we'll probably have needed to go to other countries. And there would be a lot of other countries and, 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 and emerging markets like Morocco and Egypt and Mexico and many others, they need an elite, they need people that are well-trained, they need people that work in companies where ethics are at the core, where corruption is banned, where there is gender equality between men and women because they are the future of their countries. And I'm really, really proud to give opportunity to these people through uh, through that, uh, that, that model of, of, of brain showing that we've uh, we've developed.
0: That's amazing. It, it's nice to hear you say that as well, because I think that's one of the key things. How you have described it is what motivates entrepreneurs. It's not always about profits or success. Entrepreneurs generally are in a positive way, you know, uh, positive about business and the the good benefits of business for uh, providing jobs and uh, stimulating economies as well. Uh, so it's nice to hear it uh, said like that as well. That that you can create. The entrepreneurs can create uh, livelihoods and jobs for people. Uh, j- j- shifting a little bit and on the topic, but um, I've heard of, of the problem that you've uh, fixed, <laughs> I found a solution for 11 years ago. Um, I've heard a bit from uh, consultant friends with Accenture, or these bigger groups. And, you know, a specific, uh, let's take that bit about the slides and the graphics. And I've heard them say, well, what if we set this up and did it better? But typically, it's those consultancy groups that need that help with graphics. And then another type of service, so you provided this this, um, solution. Another industry that needs help with graphics was the sort of advertising creative industry and the help with uh, PowerPoints and things like that. And a solution to that, uh, one of the popular growing companies is a SaaS-based solution. There's one called Canva, per se, right? And So at what point do you go, hey, I'm going to do what I know I was doing to solve this problem, uh, because I understand the business model, or actually I'm going to provide a different solution to this um, and have a different uh, business model that might need venture funding, but has got a a SaaS, a software as a service sort of tech uh, valuation to it? Was that a question that you asked yourself or did, did that ever come up?
1: No, that, that's a very good question. I mean, you can take the example of SaaS when it comes to graphic design. You can take the the example of automated translation when it comes, it comes to uh, uh, to translation. You can take the example of more and more databases being available on the market when it comes to research. So somehow you might say, okay, if what I sell is time, where raise my space? You know, and 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 our answer to that is we want to be the people that use the technology, not the guys that provide the technology. And and it's very respectable to create those technologies but you will always have people that make use of that so in translation there's plenty of tools they just save you time make you more efficient make your quality of work better in design it's the same we use all of these tools obviously we use canva and we use many others but there are resources for us to do the work but i i truly believe that you will always have a human being to understand the client's issue to Uh, derive a solution and then they're going to be we call that tech enablement technology is an enabler for us so we spend a lot in tech we use tech we use by the way not only tech but all the resources like databases and so on but as a company our choice is to be the people and to sell the people because that that's what motivates us and again my core motivation is really about job creation this year we're creating more than 10 jobs a month and I prefer to to feed people and families and so on that machines. But again, it's pretty respectable. But I think there is always, always be a space. The one thing that is really important is to keep at a level of value add that is high. If you go in terms of okay, I want to do the basic stuff, I want to be cheap, etc., you're gonna be destroyed by automation and machines and so on. If you keep on the high level of value add, always about the creativity, about the um ambiguous questions and so on. Then, you know, the machine will take a long, long time before they get get to where you are. And interestingly, if we have competition and we don't really have direct competition, they would be in India and their prices would be 40% cheaper than ours. Um, But when we know we can compare with our clients, we know that we grow much faster than they do, and it's it's paradoxical because you say, you know, why am, being more expensive? Why am I growing faster? Because we are at a level of value added that is superior to them. So we are not replaced by by other resources. On the contrary, we're more and more integrated with our clients and adding value.
0: Amazing. I really again, I really like how you articulated that as well. That you it shows that you didn't want to pivot into. Uh, what sounds attractive you see it in the stock market you see these SaaS things and but you know you, you want to be the people who use the tools and I think that was really well explained and probably one of the reasons why you have stayed on this track um, you said no competitors but um, I'm sure there are right I, I you know there's a company called Alpha Sites would they not do something similar to what you do?
1: So it's interesting no uh, Alpha it's a different business model uh, it's it's they do expert interviews so they connect you to people who know have the answers they will not do research for you they will okay. not produce deliverables so they will connect you to knowledge it's a great business model it's an amazing company they've been growing tremendously but they're not direct competition they there is a different approach to get something that could be similar what you want is a profile of 10 companies a uh, market size you will ask InfoMineU are not alpha sites. If on the contrary, you want to be kind of an expert of a specific process in a factory, then you you better go with alpha sites that will connect you for a one hour call with that specific expert. So it's very complimentary. And and everybody would say, I'm in a niche market. I don't have competition. Of course we have competition. Uh, the, the, the basic competition is I'm not simply doing it. I'm taking my decision without the proper data. My presentation is good enough as it is and so on. It's just like, I don't care the other would be to say you know this is thing. i'm going to ask the intern to do it um and um it's cheap is here or is she is here and then you know yes but then you are very unlikely to get the level of quality that you expect then you can also work with with these these Indian companies that are very respectable competitors but i think the level of value add that you have is different most of our competitors oh, sorry our clients work with these type of companies and with us as well. They see us as a complement. And and by the way, I think in our generation in business, you know, it's not cutthroat competition like you know the former generation has it's either them or us i love to be in a situation where i'm very clear where i add value where we don't add value and to be positioned where we add value and to be excellent at that and not at uh, at the basic stuff so if you want to do go on a website and copy paste uh, hundreds of cells in an extra sheet will be way too expensive for that and By the way, our staff will not like it, so I'm happy that we are too expensive for that so we don't do it. and there are companies that are going to do that for much cheaper and good for them, good for us, we're all happy.
0: Amazing. So I think you you said it like a mistake that your competitors are your clients, but in one way, clients who don't have the behavior, who don't know of your services or your value, that that's where the market is for you. That's the competition, right? And listening to you, explaining your services. Well, I've, I'm already thinking of two or three things that my business or some boards I sit on could use this services because rather than, as you said, trying to do it yourself, hope someone else does it that would help your industry or give it to the intern or whatever. So um, to that point, how do you change a behavior? How do you, do you need the economies to grow? Do you need, uh, you know, or, or do you need to market yourselves or is it word of mouth? How do you get people to start using InfoMedia?
1: that's a very good question i guess it gets to the second question we had forgotten before which is how do you market yourself and how do you go to 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 market yes i think the the mission we have is to educate Uh, people are not conscious that these services exist once they do i mean we have we, we we monitor our kpis and our sales funnel the conversion rates are outstanding you know, when we have a meeting with a client, one chance out of two, they become a client. It's crazy. It never happens. Why? Because what we do is super relevant. The question is how we get these people to be aware of us. So initially, we've all, always do uh, done, you know, a very proactive outreach and you know the guys that would like those services. Is there are people that are very analytical data driven so you look at mbas you look at ex-consultants investment bankers all these type of professions and you approach them and say, you know you're doing it today yourself and that's what you spend your time between 10 pm and 2 am how about you got some help and you know uh and and that works very well uh, what we're trying to do as well now is to do on 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 marketing um something that is really fascinating we are inventing a new word and a new concept that we call brain shoring the idea of brain shoring is to say you're going to outsource not just muscle just not just execution you're going to outsource judgment brain creativity and so on and i really believe that's that's a new industry and and we are writing at this stage a, a white paper about it and that is going to be out there it's not in for my new, owning the team brain shoring we are actually trying to get other companies to recognize themselves as this concept. So if we can put it out there, people are aware that brain sharing exists, then they look for brain sharing companies. They, when they have a problem, they will think that there is a solution probably, and then we'll have much more incoming uh, incoming business. So that's that's a, that's a the, the way I'm, I'm thinking about that.
0: Okay, fascinating. Um, so, okay, so it's a services-based industry. Did you need to raise funds uh, or how did you go about uh building the business is it private business have you ever is it uh privately backed or how how is the structure
1: no i mean as a service business you have to be a profitable business uh, when you sell time you know so we never Raised capital, never wanted to debt, none of that. So there are essentially three group of uh, of, of shareholders. I mean, there's, there's uh, my partner, myself, and we just um, gave 11% of the of the company to our employees. Um, uh, that's the only shareholders we have, the only constraints. And 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 really, I have a lot of entrepreneur friends. I mean, I'm part of Endeavor uh, in 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 Dubai, which is you know, group of, of very successful entrepreneurs. And when I see all those that raised capital, they spend probably 30% of their time, you know, raising capital and dealing with investors. And I'm so lucky that I have to focus on my business. For me, the money that comes in the company is coming from clients that pay invoices every month, more so than investors that put money in. And again, because it's it's possible because of that business model. Um, and maybe that's that's a, a, maybe an introduction to the to the second second business we're we're doing. So because we focused a lot on the service uh, on the service, and the fact that it's um, the constraints and opportunity that generates, uh, we've started another business called Data Exchange, uh, where here the, the model is different. It's still in the field of data. And the idea is that companies generate data um, they don't do anything with it. It's a byproduct of their ac- activity. It's an asset that they have. They have as assets. They have people. They pay people. They have investors. They pay their investors. They have brands and patents. They make value of it. And then have data. They do nothing with it. On the other end, there's plenty of problems that companies have that could be solved with data that is not that publicly available data, but that would be owned by a company. So um, an example I often take is if you're PepsiCo, you want to incentivize your sales force. The way you do it today is you look at their sales and if they grow their sales, they're good and they get, you know, they get a bonus. But if the market is growing faster than the uh, the sales guy, he's not doing well. He's being poorer than the market, but still you don't really know it. So you'll still incentivize the guy. A great way to incentivize the person who have to have the data from Carrefour and Lulu and and all the coverage that he has and see how he performs related to Coke in terms of market share. That is a good sales guy, that the market is crashing minus 20%, but there's minus 10. He has been amazing. And and this data is out there, but today nobody has has access to that data. Carrefour doesn't see the value in monetizing it. It's a different constraint, different business model. It's not gonna be big, but if you have a company that specializes itself in trading that information in extracting value for that information then you have something new and to the point you were saying about the funding what we're trying to do is we have that cash generating business called infomainio and we channel the dividends back to that business that would need funding because you need to proactively invest so that's we create our own ecosystem uh in the in the field of data with with our two companies
0: amazing i like how you describe that as well in terms of the structure so you're reinvesting in another model that typically would have needed um, uh, funding uh, and and you've done it that way. Uh, And also it's really smart how you described the data parts that uh, companies would like to get cash crudely from their data. They know they sit on data, but they maybe haven't visualized it. But if someone comes to them and says, here's some money, can I have your data not to not to mess up your business or not to sort of, you know, take private customer data away from you, but more in terms of uh, you've actually got an asset, you've got something that you, you're generating that you can have a revenue stream for. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's more enticing. Like if, if you came to me and said, hey, you've got all this data um, per se, that like as a media business, that Facebook and Google already monetize our data, but there's other data that we have that we don't know how to monetize. So you're approaching it that way and then you're selling it, you're monetizing it in another way.
1: Yes. And what is interesting in that business model is that you're not generating revenue. You're generating profits because you have no cost involved. So you have that asset. Data exchange is going to generate a million dollars of revenue for you. If you're a car for a million dollars of revenue is not very significant. But no, it's not revenue, it's bottom line. It's going to be one million dollars of profits because mm. you have zero expense involved. And that is it would be stupid not to do it. And that's the idea that, that we have to do that with all the companies that have this data that is valuable. Uh, the only thing is it takes time. You know, again, we are in a similar fashion as for info we need to educate the market that these solutions exist. For data exchange, we need to also educate. Um, and it takes time to generate revenue. But once it does, you know, then there is this effect that it's it's very scalable. You do it for one use case and then you multiply the use cases using the same methodology and approach. And what is interesting is the data is that you own the asset at some point. Mm. And when you do, you have something that is extremely valuable. So that's, that's what we're focusing on.
0: Uh, but it won't be a, a software as a service. It won't be a marketplace. It still will be services where uh, your, your team will, um, will capture this data and repackage it. It would sell
1: the time that we do work on the on the data it would be the data itself so obviously we're going to package it in a way that is useful but it's going to be the same thing that multiple clients will will buy so it's it's a much more scalable business you know what i love in a business like that is you have your asset it costs you 100 to create you sell it once at 100 you make zero profit you sell it the second time you make 50% of profit you make you sell it a third time you make 67% of profit and it's it's a great thing uh, so you don't want to sell the time so you have a few elements in, the, in that chain you can trade the data as it is even not touching the data that is one limited value add second you can aggregate multiple sources of data to put it in, into perspective you'd have the data from Carrefour, four but also from panda and, and and others and so on you aggregate and there's much more value in the aggregation and if you put that in perspective with the customer information or the behavior information you got from it to sell out and then so on then you you create something is even more valuable then a third level would be to do analysis and, and 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 transform that data into something that helps with decision making that is not just a big set of information but a dashboard something that helps you make decisions and then there is a point about advisory how to help use the data but last, the fourth one we'll never get into that because that's time that's consulting as it happens we know them well you know they can use what we do on on the upstream for their services can extract love value we are very happy with that the dashboarding slash you know uh, visual representation of the data we, we can do it and we will do it because many clients are not sophisticated enough today so that they can use a data set and create insights from it but it's going to be just a service that we have but the core thing is really to monetize an asset
0: okay fascinating um a couple of questions around your business related to this new product and new service in terms of growth um you know 200 people another 100 people uh and you you've steadily grown it you haven't grown at that rate in the first 11 years so it seems like it's accelerating does that sort of accelerated growth create uh, tensions and pressure points on core functions of the business that might crack <laughs> the, uh, you know and are you conscious of that sort of speed it sounds great and the revenue is going up but it but that wasn't the speed that you were running at before and how do you manage that trajectory yeah
1: on, on by the way on the running you know the there's this compound effect so we're not growing faster now than we've grown in the past but when you go 50% from 10 people, you get to 15, you know? So it's it's just an, that exponential effect that is that is fascinating. In the first eight years of a company, we're creating pretty much 10 jobs a year. Um, and now we are around, you know, almost hundred a year because of that compound effect. Um, and yes, it is becoming uh, more difficult to scale because the it, it, it's it's an offer and demand thing, right? You need to have the demand from the clients and then you need to have the offer. And how And the offer is what? You need to hire people. And to be able to hire more people, you need to hire recruiters. So a recruitment team is actually exploding in size uh, because we, we you know if you want to, 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 to hire twice as many people, you need to have twice as many re- recruiters. You don't have a lot of scale effect there. And then there's the ability to onboard people and train them. And here, the number of seniors we have is important. And here we're trying to fight as much as possible against attrition because we need to keep those, the seniors because then they can inspire and train the others. So we're quite healthy here. Uh, and, the, and the second is you, you will have a limitation in your growth rate. So as we're approaching 50 percent, we're probably going to be 45 this year. We are at the limit, at the limit in terms of our ability to onboard more people. Um, and that's, you know, 45 people percent, I'm happy. and. And we might be at some point starting to say no to clients that we are not simply able to scale at the speed that we require to do us to, to, to do that. And you'll need to wait a little because the, the in a business like that in services, the one thing, the one only north star is quality. If you do quality work, you create trust. If you create trust, you create desire. And if you create desire, you create business. Uh, so the, that's the one thing you do not want to compromise. I would not trade... You know growing at 70 percent instead of 50 um if it's at the expense of quality because in the long run it will not work and that's and by the way being a like a sort of family owned business in the sense we don't have investors is nice in the sort of business because you don't have pressure to grow at all costs you rather build something one step at a time and again you know, with that exponential effects of you know, 50% this year is much less than 50% next year, much less than the year after, and you can get to thousands to, to And maybe to your point, by the way, you raised about the market size, You know, the size of opportunity. Uh, because it's about creating awareness about the service, I see zero limitation. We're not in the, on the limited market. It's a global market, by the way. Our clients are coming from all over the world. With Mexico, we're now opening all the Americas to us. I think this business can scale to thousands and of people. And it will, with that snowball effect, it will happen probably sooner than, than what we'd expect. You know, we're 200. It's not a massive business yet. But, you know, in two, three years, 500. And then, you know, two, two more years in a thousand. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the business.
0: What's your revenue this year?
1: That, that's confidential. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a situation to, uh, to, to say.
0: Uh, well, you you actually can. <laughs> private companies can't. Don't mean that they need to be private. They just mean they're privately owned. But I won't push. I I knew I wouldn't get an answer. Thought I'd ask anyway. But but thank <laughs> you for sharing that. We're <laughs> that's right. That's um, right. But you know, I, I think you kind of touched the second point I was going to ask about the services industry because uh, you mentioned about retention of employees and uh, the growth, and I think. Uh, we're not in an area of where services industry and marketing and consultancy is necessarily the hottest thing, right? Like there's been a big shift to, you know, to venture backed and, and private equity and, and other types of models around um, around profits and, and values and things like that. And one of the reasons is, is because uh, services, uh, as, as you introduce new departments and, and things, the margins creep down a little bit and Uh, it's harder, it's hard to manage the margins and also hard to manage retention of of people around services. It doesn't sound like you're shying away from it, um, but do you think that uh, the benefits outweigh, the the pros outweigh the cons in terms of building a meaningful business, generating real revenue and real profits? Uh,
1: No, it's a very good question. I mean, you have services versus venture backed type of businesses, and then you have within services, what do you want to do? Yes, I mean, it, I think it's very much depending on the temperament of people. Yeah, there are people that want to be in this venture-backed, high-paced, whatever, uh, fail or or win. But many people also want to build something. They want to build a career. They want to do something that they're generally interested about. And so, and there's more of these people that want you know one can think of um so i think it's just a matter of who the people are and what they're attracted uh, attracted to um second within services you know there were phases in in the 90s my my older brother needed to be an auditor that was the one hot thing and then you need to be a consultant you know when i started uh, you know at bcg that was the hot thing um i think that the, the realm of data today is hot is hot you need to understand where to find data how to discriminate between crap and reliable information and so on it's a skill set that is extremely useful for everyone for everything so i think that the 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 business we are in and what people learn at new is invaluable so we are a company where we hire mostly young graduates some of them love the company love the culture make a career with us some others say i've built something and i want to use it elsewhere and our alumni are amazing they are in all the best consultancies they are at the world bank they are at the world food uh, organization they are in government they are everywhere because they have learned fundamental skills that are that are great then about the point about attrition retention we, we are Interestingly, we are in in cities and markets uh, in Morocco and Egypt and Mexico where, you know, working in a large company is not great. In most cases, the cultures of the companies, the degrees of ethics, the fact that there's very much top-down and, and organizations and so on. When you create an organization, which is more modern in a way where you have 55% of women and they're not discriminated, they have the same salaries, where there's a the true listening to the people where you survey them every week to understand how they feel and so on. You create an experience that is so different from the rest of the market that you can attract and retain people much better than than other companies. I think our attrition rates, even though I would always love them to be lower than than we are, are significantly lower than many other companies in those markets because we we approach them in a in a in a different way. Um, so it, it obviously it's a challenge, uh, but it's one that that I'm not too concerned about as long as you do the right thing.
0: That's a, again a good way of answering it. I think you know when you talk about how consultancy groups approached this before outsourcing they had a real problem with attrition because they didn't do the not not accusational, but they it was always to do with a low price right and uh, when there's a low price then people uh, their loyalty and their belonging isn't there and their comfort level on that income isn't there so once you increase that Um, you don't see people jumping for 2% increments and things like that. And if you do the right thing, then you can create that sort of indigenous company at a local level, which it sounds like you're doing. And to to that point and, you know, uh, coming to the close, uh, in the markets that you're in, Martin, and and where you're based, you you moved to Dubai, you you relocated to Dubai. What's your view uh, outside of your business? What's your view of, Uh, the Middle East as an emerging market. Will it emerge and are you optimistic?
1: Um, um, Good question. Um, The Middle East is a very interesting market to be in. It's moving, it's changing very fast. What's happening in Saudi, there's one country in the world you want to be now where change is happening, that is Saudi. And the Middle East itself is is a fascinating uh, fascinating market for what you can see. Um, Is it a good market to play? Yes and no. Yes, from typically pricing perspective, the willingness to spend on services and so on is quite high. However, it's a small market, and and it's a market where access to human resources is not fantastic. So these are challenges, you know, uh, it's, it's small and it's also quite fragmented. I'd love the market to be much more integrated than it is today to create more opportunities. All the entrepreneurs that I'm dealing with, you know, on a daily basis, that's that's one of the main struggles, you know. If you want to get a license in Qatar and one in UAE and one in Saudi and Oman and whatever, it's a headache. And I think the logic of integration of being more integrated from a business perspective would make that market bigger. You know, Saudi is, is the mammoth of the region. Yeah, still, it's like 40 million people. It's not a massive market. You know, uh, most European markets are significantly bigger than that. So if you were to regroup, I think that would make the market much more much more attractive. But still, there's a lot a, a lot to learn here
0: amazing yeah i couldn't agree more i think uh imagine if there was something like a single currency or something like that that just made things a lot more uh, easier for trade across markets in the region i think there's many and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of conversations and you know uh mous and things being done cross-border trade there's a lot of things that are happening in that space as well which will hopefully improve uh you know your ability to work with clients but also companies' abilities to scale across the region.
1: Pretty great, pretty great.
0: Well, thanks a lot for sharing uh, your businesses and your story, I uh, really enjoyed listening to it. It's sometimes um, not a, an industry or a topic that people would naturally gravitate towards, but you explain it really well. Um, and I uh, really enjoyed your, your, uh, hearing about your success over the years and wishing you all the best for the future.
1: Thank you very much, it was a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you, Martin, take care. So I hope that gives you a good insight into uh, what it would be like to set up such a company um, in dubai and in the region uh, thank you for my patient team back in dubai uh, alibaba the producer and shahir al-kindi who organized uh, the show if you are listening on any podcast platform uh, or apple please do leave a comment uh, subscribe uh, recommend to someone as well to listen if you would like any topic or company covered in the future please do suggest guests Um, a reminder that you can watch all these episodes um, over 150 almost 160 now on uh, Dubai Works uh, the podcast section and also show section on smashy.tv. It's available on Apple, Android, and Smart TV devices. Um, and You can check out our other shows there, such so as Smashy Crypto, Tech Billaraby, um and other shows like that. We'll be back again, same time, same place, 11 o'clock on Friday next week.